Welcome to Banana Peel Boulevard, the podcast where we take the fall so you don't have to. Now, here's the adult in the room, Becky Harnden, and national award-winning columnist and author, Gary Jordan. Thanks so much, Michelle. I, I really love being the adult in the room. Well, I'm sure you have so few opportunities. <laughs> They don't happen frequently. To be the adult in the room. So, yeah. That's, oh, if you only knew. Yeah, but it's, you know, it is, it's pretty accurate for this. Well, thank you so much for joining back in yep. on Banana Peel Boulevard. Um, I'm here with Gary Jordan. And, um, you know, what's really weird. What's weird is that when we taped the first ones, we didn't have an audience. They were, we were just taping them knowing that one day we would have an audience. But now that we've launched and we're hearing from a bunch of folks, now we have an audience. And, it's, and we're it's, so glad. I know. I mean, it's like I mean, four, four or five people now, right? Yeah. Is it? A, <laughs> <laughs> no, it really was a pretty amazing response. So thank you guys out there. It means a lot that you took the 14 to 17 minutes of your life to, uh, to spend with us. It was very cool hearing from people. Well, what's, what's the kind of feedback you've been hearing? Well, I, I think they... I don't think they knew what to expect because, you know, one of the things we do is we're taking uh, chapters from uh, my book, Driving the Road of Life with a Flat Tire, which is apropos, and uh, we're talking about whatever that chapter was, and then we're reading that chapter, mostly because we heard from a bunch of folks over the years that they like to hear me read the columns that I write or the chapters from the book. So that's what we do. I, I don't think they quite know what to expect, and and I think uh, so. Some of them said they were surprised, and what I heard from more than a few people was, um, all of a sudden it was over. You know, it was like they wanted a little bit more, which is exactly what you hope will happen. Keep keep them coming back for more. Yeah, what's well, true. Well, and, and if you if you haven't had a chance to get to know Gary, you know that um, you're just going to expect the unexpected. So yeah, <laughs> so buckle up and uh, enjoy the Banana Peel Boulevard. And so the other thing I'm hearing is that I heard from a number of folks is uh, they had they had they had heard your name or but they didn't know who you were really. And getting to know you, they're liking it. And I heard from a number of people you had a great laugh, which is, you know, one of the first things that we experienced together was your great laugh. Well, you bring it out. So this is, um, and welcome to the Mutual Admiration Society. Okay, so here we go. No, I mean, but that was pretty cool feedback because we have an audience. Woo, we're so grateful. So just so folks understand what happens in here, first of all, we've got a, piece of plexiglass between us because of COVID. You know, we... Oh, I thought it was more penitentiary style. It was. This is. This is really kind of um, um, almost Silence of the Lambs. I mean... It's with a few holes, it'd be exactly the, the same. Just yeah. the same thing, right. yes. And but, we're not wearing stripes or orange jumpsuits. We're right, exactly. In- so I, I just I just want to set the stage for folks. But what we're reading today is my secret shame. Look, we all have them. It, the, the, the thing we just don't want people to know that we like. I want everybody out there listening to to identify their secret shame because... That is um, always entertaining, as you're about to reveal. Well, I mean, it it doesn't have to be, you know, collecting a 
bag of hair or fingernails, <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it's not like clipping my toenails and putting them in baggies and keeping them in a closet. It's not that. It's um, although if that's yours, we're not judging. No, right? this we're is not. a judgment-free zone. Yes, but whatever. it's it's those things that you just don't. You wouldn't readily admit to someone if they happen to uh, notice. You might try to hide it. Or there are things you wouldn't even think about doing in front of somebody because you do them. And and it can be, you know, bodily stuff. It can be habits. It can be almost anything. Do you pick your nose in the car? Do you want me to in, in, acknowledge that now? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes, I thought I do. this was and, a truth and, table. And, right. <laughs> and, and I will tell you this, and this has kind of freaked me out a little. I think my nostrils are getting smaller. I do. I, and I've actually Googled whether or not that happens. Like, do your nostrils get smaller as you grow older? I mean, because other things happen. And I, I haven't gotten a definitive answer yet, but I am convinced because I am positive my finger's not getting bigger. Are you sure? I think <laughs> so, we should start measuring so, your fingers. Right. So, no. So, everybody, I, in fact, if we'd like to hear from you folks because you can comment on the, on our thepeelpodcast.com. Would love to hear uh, if you think your nostrils are getting smaller, because if nothing else, I ought to get some research. But that is not my secret shame. Scientific Actually, data. Actually, I'm proud of it. <laughs> the secret shame is the thing you're not proud of. And we're about to find out what that right. is. So for me, it's Steven Seagal movies. And I don't know why. And I and I'll as I read the chapter, you'll understand a little bit more about about the reality of that. But I, you know, I was thinking about my secret shame, and I'm pretty much an open book, so it's it's been really difficult for me to start to identify what that is. But um, I keep coming back to one thing, and that is when my daughter tells someone that we have five cats. I automatically cringe Ooh, yeah. and I say, no, it's four and three quarters because one of my cats only has three legs. <laughs> and I feel like I have to tell people that. <laughs> right. That's, um, you're just two cats away from cat lady. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I think cat lady is seven. I think Carol Baskin yeah. and I are going to be best friends one day. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So that is a little thing, a mm -hmm. little vulnerability that does it. Um, I, I, until I wrote this column, I really didn't share my Steven Seagal secret shame with I anybody. I didn't know it. I didn't know it about well, you. Well, you know, it's not, I, I, I'm a little embarrassed about it. Uh, and I felt like writing the, this chapter was cathartic. I'm glad you feel better. Okay. So <laughs> you want to do the read? I'll do the read. You do okay, the read. Right. My secret shame. And one of the things I do in the book is give just a little synopsis about why I wrote this. And I really love this synopsis. This column was very cathartic. I needed to share this to purge my soul, to admit my unholy dependency on Steven Seagal. So I, there it is right there. And this is my secret shame. I have a secret shame. There, I admit it. We all do. That's one thing we do we're not proud to share, but we just can't help ourselves. That one bad habit, that sinful indulgence, the one thing we don't want anyone else to know about. It's usually not a bad thing, probably just something you're not thrilled for others to know. Maybe it's opening the refrigerator at 2 a.m. and eating leftovers like a mountain lion. I've got a friend who occasionally pees off his back porch. He says it makes him feel free. I'm here to share, not judge, although it caused me to rethink the amount of time I spend on his porch. 
I asked around my office if folks would be willing to share their secret shame. I wish I hadn't. We have a private Pringle stasher and another who cleans her ears with a bobby pin. Another can only go to the bathroom with his shirt off. Just troubling on a lot of different levels. It's my fault for asking. And I quickly realized we really don't need to know each other that well. So here's mine. Steven Seagal movies. I realize there are a few things less redeeming than 90 minutes of Seagal, but I can't help it. His movies are like driving by a traffic accident. They're horrible, but you have to look. Bernice won't go there, not even a little. It's not like I meant to live in the Seagal closet, but if I suggested to Bernice that we should watch one of his films, I would be politely dismissed as she responds, extending the word, really, to 11 seconds. She would rather check the neighbor's dog for fleas than lower her standards to the depths of Seagalism. Seagal movies are so bad that they're good. Tough guys in the movies are supposed to know how to hold a gun, not Seagal. When he holds one, he looks like he's carrying a dirty diaper to a pail. He does have a unique skill set. Not many guys know how to self-acupuncture while disarming a nuclear weapon. In Seagal movies, there's never a bank robber. A foil that mundane would never get his attention. The bad guy needs to be blowing up a planet, or at least Cleveland. The president has to be held hostage in a submarine, or a train full of nuns must have dynamite strapped to their habits. It has to be so cataclysmic that failure dooms us all. At some point in his movies, the Secretary of Defense, surrounded by our finest military minds, realizes he can't handle the task and discovers Seagal is already on site posing as a pastry chef. They either have to pay the bad guy ten gazillion dollars or hand over the fate of the world to Seagal. Inevitably, Seagal will be in the middle of a bad guy circle, ten guys with pitchforks and axes. He's armed with a credit card, and within seconds he will have swiped them all into submission. Why they all go after him one guy at a time is beyond me, but I'm guessing they don't have a bad guy circle meeting before they attack. After he gets through the army of bad guys, he ends up face-to-face with the head bad guy, some actor slightly below him on the I'll-do-anything movie circuit, like Chris Christopherson. Despite the head bad guy having a shotgun, Seagal manages to finish him off with a salad fork. (laughs) Sorry, I really enjoyed (laughs) writing that line. (laughs) I actually had that picture in my mind. <laughs> Sorry. This is what happens when I read them. Okay, no, no, we're, we're rolling. Don't uh, you love it when you crack but yourself up? I know. That was one of those lines, like uh, my mother buying a show pony to, because the harness was on sale. Right? <laughs> so, so I'm going to read that line again. And this is, we, we don't edit this. Seagal manages to finish him off with a salad fork. It's still funny. I'm pretty sure... He has a concealed utensil permit. That was a hard one to get to. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, we see the female lead, usually a 1970s version of Kelly LeBrock. Despite having been tied to a chair for a week, she stands perfectly coiffed and stumbles over bodies to fall into his arms. And scene. I've tried to examine what it is that draws me to this dribble. I'm a smart guy. Why am I so willing to waste 90 good minutes of my life? I know I'm not proud of it because I won't admit it to Bernice. If she calls from out of town and asks what's up, I tell her I'm watching C-SPAN. I don't want her to think less of me. Maybe we just need the occasional mindless indulgence to flush out the hair in our brain drain. 
Or perhaps we need to see what's really bad to get a perspective on what's really good. I don't know. What I do know is this. Five hours after Bernice leaves town, I turn into a caveman. I pick up food in a styrofoam container, and with knuckles dragging on the ground, I make my way to the television and search for Seagal. I'm not proud of it, but at least I take comfort in the knowledge that somewhere there's a group of nuns who are safe tonight. And that is my secret shame. We would love to hear your secret shame. Visit us at thepeelpodcast.com. Share with us what your secret shame is so that we can have a laugh at you. And stay safe out there on the boulevard. We'll see you next time.